our sermon text this morning. Our passage comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. These are the words of the living God. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent of no one. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for gathering us this morning worship you. We thank you uh, that we have now come to the time to be instructed by you. We want to hear your words. We want to hear you speak to us. And so we pray that you would come and do just that. Help me to get out of the way and speak clearly and directly to the hearts of your people. Change us, transform us, renew us, and inspire us to live holy, obedient, diligent lives for the sake of Christ our Lord in the world. Amen. You may be seated. Now what? We, we ask this question uh, all the time, don't we? Right? We finished the video game, we beat the game, now what? Well, on to the next game, right? Uh, we, we met our goal down there at the gym, what do we do? We add some more weight, right? We, we finally got the diploma, we graduated, now we're off to our calling in the world, right? Or we finished the fifth book in a series of books, now what? On to the sixth. Well, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected from the dead. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is seated as King and He is reigning. Now what? Now what is the Christian supposed to be doing in the world? Well, Paul has some, Thessalon- uh, some instructions for the Thessalonians here of uh, things that they are to be doing uh, in the world. And I want to look at three of those uh, things that we are to be doing now. What are we to be doing now? Well, this is what we are to be doing now. So three things uh, this morning in light of our passage. The first is, if you are a Christian living in the world today, you are to be holy in body. Holy in body. Okay. The second, if you're a Christian living in the world today, you are to be brotherly in love. Okay. Brotherly in love. And the third, if you are a Christian living in the world today, you are to live a quiet life working with your hands. Quiet, working with your hands. Okay. So, uh, we see that first point up in verses uh, 1 through 8. If you're a Christian living in the world today, you are to be holy in body. Let's go ahead and read that again to get it before us, and then we'll dig in. Verse 1, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing that you do so more and more. 
For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger on all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Okay? So in this section of the letter, Paul is uh, beginning to give moral instruction uh, to the church in Thessalonica. That is, he is going to give them direct instructions on how they are to uh, go about living their lives now. And so the applications in this section are going to be straightforward. He says, do this and don't do that. (laughs) And the things that he tells the Thessalonians to do are binding on the church for all time. And so they're just as applicable to us today as they were to them then, right? So what does he tell the Thessalonians to do? Well, first, they are to be holy in, uh, in body. Uh, they're to be sanctified or holy. Uh, specifically, in verses 4 and 5, he says, um, well, let me read 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body uh, in holiness and honor. Um, now, when Paul tells them... <clears throat> that the will of God for their lives uh, is sanctification, he is saying that they are to be made holy. Okay? He's saying that they are to be made holy. Uh, they do this by offering the entirety of their lives uh, to God as a sacrifice. Okay? So everything that is impure and improper about their life prior to coming uh, to Christ is to be done away with. And now they are to bring their lives into conformity with the will of God for their life, which is holiness, okay? It's holiness. And Paul has a very specific application in mind when he refers to holiness here. He says that they are to abstain from sexual immorality. To abstain from sexual immorality. Now let's get a definition before us of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is any sexual relation, let me say that again, any sexual relation whatsoever outside the marriage of a man and a woman. Okay? Any sexual relation outside the marriage of a man and a woman. You have to understand, sexual immorality was running rampant in the days of the Thessalonians, sort of like it is in our day. Um, And sexual promiscuity was not a big deal in their culture. Okay? It was a sexual free-for-all of sorts. And now that these Thessalonians had been called out of this pagan way of living, Paul says there they're not to live like the Gentiles anymore in passions, uh, something to this effect. Uh, Now that they've been called out of that lifestyle, which included these illicit sexual relations, uh, they are now to control their bodies in holiness and honor. They're now to control their bodies in holiness and honor. And I think what Paul is saying there when he says that they are to control their bodies is that they are to learn to control their bodies so that they do not give themselves uh, to sexual immorality. Uh, 
If you are a Christian, you have to bring not only your mind into submission to God, but your body. Okay, A Christian is to be uh, self-controlled and disciplined in their body so that they do not give themselves to sexual immorality. Uh, that is, uh, a Christian is to have self-control and discipline so that they don't give themselves to all sorts of different crooked sexual desires and crooked desires in general, really. But here specifically, Paul is referencing uh, crooked sexual desires, which, by the way, is a great temptation for all of mankind. Every man who has ever lived deals with this temptation in one form or another, okay? So sexual immorality is a great temptation uh, to all of mankind. And then he gives three reasons why the Christian is not to do this. Uh, If you look at uh, verse 6, he says there uh, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Okay, so uh, there are three reasons that Paul says the Christian's body is to be given to the Lord in holiness. One, because it keeps us from sinning against our brother or our neighbor. Two, because God will judge us for it. And three, um, uh, because we have been given the Holy Spirit, which you see there at the very end. So first, because it keeps us from sinning against our neighbors. Uh, Paul's uh, admonition here has to do with the relationships that we have with one another in the church. Okay, And oftentimes within the church, we find ourselves in very tight-knit relationships. And in this tight-knit community, there is a great temptation to turn these impure or these pure and proper relationships that we have with one another into the church into impure and improper relationships. In other words, there is a temptation to go places in your mind and your body, specifically here in your body, but there is a temptation to go places in your mind and in your body with your brothers and sisters in the church, where you ought not to go with your mind and your body. Okay, So his exhortation is to uh, um, uh, give us some guardrails, to warn us, to protect ourselves from this sort of thing. He's effectively saying, if she is not your wife, and, or if he is not your husband, or if she is somebody else's wife, or he is somebody else's husband, they are absolutely off limits. Absolutely off uh, limits. And what happens when we overstep these boundaries uh, here? He says that we open ourselves up to divine judgment. He effectively says there, the avenger will come after you. Okay? And who is the avenger? The avenger is God. Right? The avenger is God. He says, you're not ultimately disregarding man uh, when you do this, although you are you're ultimately disregarding God when you transgress these boundaries, when you overstep these boundaries and enter into immoral sexual relationships with one another in the church. Um, And finally, he says, 
uh, we disregard God. So I said there were three things, okay? It, it protects us from sinning against our neighbors in the church. It opens us up to divine judgment. And uh, he says uh, at the end there, he, we, we're disregarding God who gives us the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the emphasis here is uh, being placed on the fact that the Spirit of God who is given to you is holy. <laughs> and therefore, you are to be holy, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit is in you. And as Paul says it here, he's being given to you. He's being given to you, and therefore he is going to enable you uh, to be holy, okay? God is going to enable you and empower you in the moment by his Holy Spirit to overcome these desires. And so you should be holy. And the only reason you are not is because you are disregarding the work that God is doing in your life, which you ought not to do. Okay? So God will enable you and empower you by his Holy Spirit to overcome it, and you ought not to disregard that work that God is doing in your life at the moment, because through it, he will give you victory over it, right? When you submit yourself to God in the moment, uh, you will get the victory. You will overcome. Now, in the day in which we are living, the things that Paul says here to the church in Thessalonica would be absolutely anathema, right? Uh, we are living in a day in which nobody can tell you what to do with your body, right? My body, my choice, which, which in our day means that you ought to be able to do whatever you want with your body, even if that means murdering little babies, Okay? But here he is, <laughs> Paul the Apostle, telling the Thessalonians what they can do and what they cannot do with their bodies. And he says that it is the will of God. Right? So, we do not get our sexual ethics from the world. Right? God is the one who tells us what is permissible in our bodies and what is not permissible. God is the one who tells us what we can do with our bodies and what we are not allowed to do with our bodies. This is to say, your body belongs to God and the things you do with it are to be pleasing to Him. Let me say that again. Your body belongs to God and the things that you do with it are to be pleasing to him, which means we have to discipline our bodies and bring them into subjection, right? Because it is in our nature, um, well, our sinful nature anyway, to follow the sexual revolution in our day, right? Uh, there is a great temptation to take the sexual revolution that is going on out there in the world and bring it into the church with us. Do, do you know that you have a natural, well, you have an inclination, uh, I don't know if I would say it's natural because again, it's a result of sin, but you have an inclination, you have a desire within you that you are born with to do the things with your body that the world tells you to do with your body, that the world says are pleasing to do with your body. In our day, sexual freedom must be total, 
it must be total. Which means, I, if, I, if it pleases me and I want to do it, I must be allowed to do it no matter what, and nobody can tell me any different. Okay, That is the sexual ethic of our day. If it pleases me, I should be allowed to do it no matter what, and nobody can tell me any different, and that is absolutely devilish. Okay, We are living in a day in which the only rule when it comes to sex is that there are no rules at all, and that is satanic. Okay, The only rule when it comes to sex is that there are no rules at all, and that is satanic. God calls us to holiness in all of life, and that includes our bodies. So what must we do? Well, we must learn to keep our desires in the proper place, right? No sexual relation outside the marriage of a man or a woman is ever sanctioned by the Scripture. Ever. It is never, ever, ever sanctioned by the Scripture. Okay? And therefore, any crooked desire that we have that is contrary to this is to be put to death, okay? It's to be put to death. And, and how do we do that? Well, we have to crucify our flesh daily. In other, word, in other words, these crooked desires are going to crop up, okay? They're going to crop up in our lives. And when they do, we need to repent of them Turn away and submit ourselves to God instead. Now notice what I said. When these crooked desires come up, it's not just when you commit a sin that you need to go and repent. These crooked desires need to be repented of. And so when they come up, we need to repent of those things, turn from them and submit ourselves to God instead. And when they crop up again, we need to do it again. (laughs) And keep doing it until they're done away with. Okay, And if you are a Christian, what Paul is telling us here is that you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life to empower you and to enable you to overcome these things, and you actually can get victory over them, right? And so, for the Christian, we can do it, (laughs) and we must do it, okay? For the Christian, we can do it because we have the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives to empower us us and enable us to do it. And we must do it because God tells us we must be holy in our body. Okay? So if you're a Christian, you can do it and you must do it. So if you're a Christian living in the world today, you are to be holy in body. The second point, if you are a Christian living in the world today, uh, you are to be brotherly in love is found in verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay, 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For, For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you brothers to do this more and more. Uh, Paul is urging them to a very specific kind of love here. And we talked a lot about uh, the need for self-sacrificial love for one another in the church and for the world. But 
Paul is talking about a very specific kind of love here, the, lo- the kind of love that we are to have for one another in the church, right? And it is a, a brotherly love, a love that comes from being joined in the same household uh, together, okay? Uh, from being in the same family uh, together, right? The household of God. So it is a brotherly love that we are to have for one another. Um, and if we belong to the church, if we are a Christian, we are to treat one another like brothers and sisters. And if we do not, there is a question about whether we are actually brothers and sisters. Okay? Uh, again, um, Paul points back to the Holy Spirit here and he says, you don't have need for anyone to teach you this because you're already doing it. He says you've been taught by God to do it, okay? And this is the mark of a true, genuine Christian. Uh, they, have, they have love for the Christian church. They have love for their brothers and sisters in the church. This is a mark of true, genuine Christianity. Paul says they were loving all of the believers here throughout the region of Macedonia where they lived. And he didn't even need to tell them to do it because they were already doing it. Why? Because God was teaching them to do it, which was a sign of their Christian faith. Uh, This is what Christians do, okay? They love one another. They love other Christians. And if you don't uh, love other Christians and you are supposedly a part of of the family of God? Well, there is a question about whether you are actually a part of the family of God or whether you are actually a Christian, okay? Uh, Listen to what John tells us uh, in his letter, in his first letter uh, to the church. This is uh, 1 John chapter uh, 5. He says, uh, wait, let me say this first. Um, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Notice, he's saying they're not of God if they don't practice righteousness, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if you don't love your brother, you're not of God. That's what John is saying here. Okay? He goes on in verse, I'm sorry, this is chapter 3. He goes on in verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. In other words, You've been converted. You've been born again. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. It's dead faith. It's not real faith. It's not real conversion. It's not real Christianity. Um, If you do not love other Christians who are a part of the family of God, of which you are a part if you are a Christian, when, well, you're not being taught by God like the Thessalonians were here, and you need to go back and check your faith because true conversion results in a love for the church. Now, in our day, uh, the church has become sort of secondary, right? It's just sort of something that we do on the side. <laughs> and so, and, and the only thing that really matters today is me and Jesus, right? And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter if I, 
I don't care anything about those Christians down there in the local assembly. It doesn't matter if I don't like them. It doesn't matter if I don't want to be a part of the church. The only thing that matters is that I have Jesus, okay? And what Paul is telling the Thessalonians here is that if you are a Christian, you are being taught by God to love other Christians. And if you are not being taught by God to love other Christians, there is a question about whether you are a Christian, okay? So if you are a Christian, you should love the church. You should want to be a part of the church. You should want to be around the church. You should want to be connected to the church because this is your people. That is your brothers and your sisters. And God is teaching you uh, to love them. So just ask yourself today, uh, do you love the church? Do you want to be a part of the family of God? Uh, and if you do not, you, you have to go back and check your faith, right? You have to go back and check your faith. Now, for those of us who do love the church, the ex, Paul's exhortation to us is that we are to grow in this familial love that we have for one another more and more, right? And how do we grow in our love for one another? Well, by being in relationship with one another, right? Emily and I just celebrated our uh, eighth anniversary. And let me tell you, we have, we have gone through some, uh, some really good times and some really hard times, okay? Uh, but it is during those times, going through those things together in relationship, that our love for one another has been strengthened. And it's the same in the church when we go through stuff together, right? And learn to care for one another during those times and love one another during those times. Our love for one another grows. Our love for one another is strengthened, right? More and more, as Paul says it here. And so that is what we want. So we have to be in relationship with one another, okay? Um, so if you're a Christian living in the world today, you are to be brotherly in love. Last, uh, in verses 11 and 12, if you are a Christian living in the world today, you are to live a quiet life working with your hands. Let me read that again. Verse 11, I'll read the latter part of 10, but we urge you brothers to do this more and more. And, okay, so here's our point, to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And this section gets us back to the theme of our sermon series, Don't Hang It Up. Don't Hang It Up, okay? Um, when Paul was in Thessalonica, he told them about uh, the near coming of Christ to judge Jerusalem, and he talked to them about the second coming of Christ. And what some of the people, I think, did in Thessalonica, uh, what they did do was they used these doctrines, they used this teaching as a license to be lazy. <laughs> and they were zealous about this uh, thing. They ran around like some of the people today uh, I, I would surmise, they, they would be like some of the people today anyway who, you know, who, who run around talking about the end is near, you know, and so we don't need to do anything. Effectively, what they are saying today when they say this sort of thing, um, and I think that this was the mentality in their day, 
uh, is that Christ is going to come and clean everything up. And so we don't need to do anything. We just need to cool out, man. Right? We just need to, uh, to take it easy. And what happened is what oftentimes happened when sinners are sitting around doing nothing. They started meddling in other people's affairs. <laughs> they started getting into other people's business. And so Paul's exhortation to them is to be ambitious, to be quiet. That's effectively what he's saying. Be ambitious to be quiet. <laughs> All right? Uh, these people were disrupting the natural order of Christian society, which is one in which the Christian labors diligently to see reformation in their city or their town or whatever. And he's effectively telling them here to mind your own business and to get busy about his business. Right? Mind your own business and get busy about his business. They're to work with their own hands and provide for themselves. They're not to be busy bodies. They're not to depend on anybody. And in so doing, they will become a good witness uh, to the culture that is around them. And that is, in a nutshell, what the Christian is supposed to be doing in between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. That is, in a nutshell, what we are supposed to be doing right now as a church. We are to be laboring diligently with our hands, working hard in the field, doing whatever it is uh, that we do, keeping our eye on the second coming of Christ, at which time he will return to judge all things, right? And the fact that he is coming again should inspire us uh, to be holy, to want to be holy, to be more diligent, right? It should inspire us to, to strive towards these things, is, is what, I, what I'm saying. It should, it should light a flame uh, under our butts, right? And uh, want us, make us want to work hard to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we're not to become fanatics, okay? We're not to become fanatics and disrupt the natural order of society which God has determined to use to bring His kingdom to bear in the world. We're to take part in it, Okay? We're not to become fanatics and disrupt the natural order, but we're to take part in it, right? And this is part of the way in which God brings his kingdom to bear in the world. So God gives dignity to our manual labors, right? God gives dignity to our manual labors. The things that we do as Christians in the workplace matter, right? Continuing uh, to work hard laboring diligently with our hands, investing in people and in things for the sake of the kingdom is the way in which God has determined to rule the world. And so every single thing that the Christian does in this world matters. Every single thing that we do matters if we do it with an eye towards the second coming of Jesus Christ in which he is going to return and judge all things. Christ will come one day and validate every single thing that we ever said and ever did in the world. And the, the goal is that this would catch on in society, right? That people would, you know, look over and say, hey, those, those Christians are really doing something awesome over there. You know, I, I want to be a part of that, right? Uh, I, what they're doing really matters, right? I, I want to get on board with what they're doing, okay? Um, now, I think in our day that uh, we have some of the same inclinations that they did then in Thessalonica. 
uh, especially with everything going on in the world right now. Okay, a lot of Christians have become interested in uh, in the end times, and that's good, right? We should be looking towards uh, the second coming of Christ, but we should not become so obsessed with what's going to happen at the end that we don't do anything now. You see how that works? And this is oftentimes what happens. People become so future-focused that they forget about the fundamentals of the faith, right? right? They just disregard the basic principles of Christianity altogether, and uh, they don't do anything, right? Uh, they don't, they're not even members of the church, right? They're not doing anything to, to contribute to the kingdom. They're not working in the world. The only thing that they're doing is watching the news for the next big event so they can go back and, and blog about it or make a YouTube video about it on their, on their YouTube page. And this is uh, biblical. It's dangerous, okay? That is not biblical. <laughs> and it is dangerous. Um, so what are we uh, to do? What we are to do is keep an eye on the second coming of Christ and let that inspire us to labor all the more diligently now. Keep an eye to the second coming of Christ and let that inspire us to labor harder now. If there is coming a day in which Jesus is going to return and set all things right, well, we want to be found contributing to the setting right of all things when He comes. Because uh, when He comes... um, uh, he, well, those of us who are in the world working today are being used in that process to set all things right. And when he comes, those who are found laboring diligently uh, towards that end will receive a good reward. They'll receive a good re- reward. They will hear those eternal and ever-blessed words that we read this morning. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. All right? So what are we to do in the interim? Live the quiet life. Not fanatical. Not meddling in other people's business. Tending to our own affairs. Right? Building and fighting. Building and fighting. Doing the work necessary now to build his kingdom here. The work necessary now, here, to see his kingdom come, right? Working hard, right, to make all things glorious in in, in our home and in our family and in our church and in our business and in all that we do. And we shouldn't be dependent on anyone, as Paul says here. We don't want to be the kind of people who are dependent on anyone. We should be Christian uh, entrepreneurs, right, if you will, (laughs) Uh, self-starters, people who, who are uh, diligent to get things done, uh, people who work hard and take initiative and actually get things done. Right? Hard-working individuals who work, shedding blood, sweat, and tears in their work here in the world um, with an eye to the future, Right? with an eye to the time in which everything in heaven and on earth is going to be brought into submission to Jesus Christ. So we ask the question, what should 
we be doing. That's what we should be doing. That is what the Christian uh, is to be doing uh, in the world today. So if you're a Christian living in the world today, you're to live a quiet life working with your hands. So, we have seen uh, that if we are Christians living in the world today, we know what we are supposed to be doing now. We are to be giving our entire lives uh, to God. Um, and we are to be given, and that includes our bodies, right? So we don't take our, our cues from the world with respect to sexual ethics. We take we get our sexual ethics from God, right? Further, we are to be brotherly in love, right? We are to be loving the family of God, loving the church, right? And finally, we are to be living the quiet life, laboring diligently with our hands now in the world, right? Working hard uh, to get things done, not dependent, not dependent on anyone. So we asked the question in the beginning, what now? Well, that's what. <laughs> uh, what is the Christian supposed to be doing? He, the Christian is supposed to be holy in body, right? He is to be brotherly in love, and he is to be living a quiet life, working with his hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, these, uh, these exhortations from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, they give us a pattern, a, a blueprint, if you will, for how we are to be living our lives, what we are to be, what we are to be doing in the world, what our relationships with one another are supposed to look like. Help us to live those relationships out in the world. Help us to um, submit ourselves um, to your command to be holy. Let us bring all of our life, including our body, into subjection to you. And let us be busy about your business. Not meddling in other people's business, but busy about your business. Living a quiet life, laboring diligently in this world, all for the kingdom and for your glory and for your name's sake. Amen. Build my life. <laughs>